The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. This episode is sponsored by Unity.org. Discover the transformative power of inner voice, a tarot deck of affirmations. Explore your true self, seek guidance, and find empowerment through ancient wisdom and modern insight. To learn more, visit go.unity.org forward slash tarot. Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa is for educational purposes only and is not intended to provide a physician-patient relationship, give diagnoses, prescribe treatment, or do psychotherapy. Please contact your healthcare provider to obtain treatment. This podcast is produced with Caller Interaction. Follow Dr. Mona Lisa on Facebook and Instagram to be a part of the next podcast taping. Discover your body's natural ability to heal. Welcome to Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa. This is Healthy Living Intuitively with me, Dr. Mona Lisa podcast on mindbodyspirit.fm network. My name is Dr. Mona Lisa. Today's show is Diet, Mind, and Memory. Which diet improves your mind the most? And what is diet anyway? Is it just stuff you put in your mouth? Is it stuff you put in your brain? Everybody's concerned today about dementia. Is that just memory? And is dementia only about diet? Today, I'm going to teach you the mind, body, and medical intuitive solutions to increasing your chances for having a sharp mind lifelong. We're taking your calls during the show for a mini reading called 207-846-6497, 207-846-6497. Shy, don't want to go on the line. You can get a private mini reading, two-hour private reading by going to www.drmonalisa.com, www.drmonalisa.com, or call 207-846-6475, 207-846-6475. Four seven five. But today, for the free mini reading, only during this live show taping, call 207-846-6497 once I put the phone back on the hook. But we subscribe to Healthy Living Intuitively with me, Dr. Mona Lisa podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. And please, this forum is educational only and is not intended to provide a physician-patient relationship Give diagnoses, prescribe treatment, or do psychotherapy. And please contact your healthcare provider to obtain treatment. If you are in an emergency, please go to your nearest emergency room. Before all these shows, of course, I research. You might say, well, Mona Lisa, you know a lot about memory. You've written a book called The New Feminine Brain, which is all about the brain. You have a PhD in neuroanatomy where you charted all the pathways in the brain. You learned neuropsychology in your PhD from Boston University School of Medicine, where you learned how to evaluate at the bedside and learned all about neuropsychological tests for attention learning memory. You were, now you're retired, I'm retired now, but you were a practicing neuropsychiatrist, board certified. We taught you you treated dementia of all kinds, Parkinson, um, Alzheimer's disease, all the different dementias, 
all dementias are not Alzheimer's disease. Primary progressive aphasia is one. There are all kinds of different dementias nowadays. Traumatic brain injury, also treated um, Asperger's, autism, and all the right hemisphere learning disabilities, not to mention epilepsies, the epilepsies and developmental disorders. However, separate from that, I've been a practicing medical intuitive for over 37 years, where I've taught people about how our bodies are like dashboards teaching us that something in our life is out of balance. I'm sure you've gone to many a physician, many a practitioner, and they've told you, well, you know, there's a gene that runs in your family or you have um, osteoporosis that runs in your family. You may have gotten in a car accident or done some other kind of injury or something. And um, you have some stressor in your life that increases your risk for um, ulcers, and so on and so on. So you need to do stress reduction. That's like saying, um, when you go to a hair appointment, you get hair reduction. It's ridiculous. The question is what kind of stress do you have? You need to elucidate it. Because many people go home and tell their partner, it's you. You are my stress. And they're like, I don't know. I don't know it was it wasn't mine. Because it might not be them. That might be the person that's easiest for you to handle when it might be at work, your boss. There's a famous show on TV called The Honeymooners. I don't think you could do this on TV anymore. Where Ralph Cramden would come home after he had a hard day at work, and Alice, his wife, would say one little thing. And he would go, That's it. Alice, one more thing out of your mouth. It's pow to the moon because he'd take it on her. He thought his stressor was her. Mind you, Jackie Gleason, Ralph Candren, was huge. He was massive. He was morbidly obese and he probably drank like a fish and God forbid the mayhem and foolishness he did with our Connie. Ridiculous. But he blamed it on Alice. She was his stress. If she didn't shut the hell up, he would be fine. No, not so much. She was the stress he could see. Chances are, if you told him, well, you know, I think the drinking is pop. No, no. There are things that we say are off limits. So it doesn't surprise me when people are worried about memory, they go, okay, so what do I eat? <laughs> You'd be surprised that when I do a medical intuitive reading, people are going, okay, so now tell me what I eat. When I tell them that they have a diet of inglorious bastards in their lives, they're like, you need to go on that. Um, you probably would like to sequester yourself from useless users. What else you got? Should I eat more cantaloupe? What nutritional supplements should I use? No. Now listen. Or some women who give and give and give, who are prone to breast cancer, I tell them to go on breast rest. <laughs> Meaning they should wean people. Because no matter how little they eat, they gain weight. Because they're running their cortisol and adrenal gland into the ditch. 
they could be eating sauteed rice. And they're in, somebody told me during my recent radio show, live call in on Instagram, should before you get off the phone, I want you to do a intermittent fasting diet for people. Yeah, lovely. I know people who do intermittent fasting diet and they can balloon out because they're mama Leone. They're cooking everything for everybody and they're intermittent fasting on the side. They gain weight because they're mama Leone for everybody. And then the extra fat they have for whatever, because they have excess ghrelin receptors in their, body, their abdomen wall. They think, if only I could lose weight. We know that they're eating less and less and getting more and more weight when their brain is artificially telling their body that they need more insulin and they're warping their blood sugar. They have stress-induced met metabolic problems. They need to get out of the kitchen, close the cafeteria, go on breast rest, but they can't do that. They don't feel love unless they're doing that. So then we get to midlife and we worry about memory. And people don't realize that memory has a lot to learn to do with learning, learning new things. When you learn about learn, when you learn, when you gain information about memory, you learn it has to do with learning. And in fact, in any class, I never understood why they had it hyphenated. It's called learning a memory, learning a memory, learning a memory. And that's because when you evaluate memory, you teach a person three things, three words or three pictures, and you try to get them to learn them. They first have to pay attention to them. They can't pay attention to them. They can't lay down memory. They also have to care about them. It has to be behaviorally relevant. You don't teach an Eskimo how to save ice. There's ice all over the place down up there. there you know, it's like, but show them, I don't know, something in Alaska, you know, they're interested in. You teach something that's behaviorally relevant that they don't forget. So during my live show, a woman called, tells me nothing other than her name and her age. And this live show wasn't particularly about memory and diet because it was just a live show and I was doing live calling readings. First thing I said, she just gives me her name and age and I'm just going extra print, extra print. I was going free form. I'm very tired today. So I said, you know, this thing about aging, get to know something about aging. These people, they get a shot in their face. I don't say it's Botox. They get a shot in their face. It doesn't make their muscles move. And you know, when your muscles don't move, it induces like a depression in your brain. And that increases your risk for dementia. Because dementia, depression is an independent risk factor for dementia. And all these people are doing all these anti-aging things to get rid of the wrinkles, but their face isn't moving. Isn't that ironic? When they're actually increasing and inducing memory problems by the very thing that they think they're doing with anti-aging. You gotta love that, right? So she interrupts me and she says, well, that's what happened to me. I went, what? And she says, 
in a different, there was something different about her cognition, meaning her thinking, speed. And she was only 70. The woman who called after her was Speedy Gonzalez with her thinking, her memory, and her response. That's interesting. So this one was 70, slow, and not learning concepts. She said, that's what happened. I got a shot in my face, a Botox for headaches, and then I couldn't move the muscles and they thought I got myasthenic gravis. They thought maybe it was a stroke. And so then I said, well, if you couldn't move your face because of a stroke, it might've been the pons because that's cranial nerve, because that's my neuroanatomy. I went, but that would have happened before the shot something else going on with you. And then I went into the reading. The point of the matter is you could tell by her slow of response that something else was going on. So therefore, that's an example. And she, I told her she needed to get a neuropsych eval, and of course she had had one. And I said, not just, you know, a drive-through like a McDonald's or Burger King. They obviously knew there was something more involved with her cognitively, with memory, because she wasn't paying attention, learning, and memory. And so I talked about how for a while, she had less nutrients in her life from family, from work, and from a variety of contacts. And she said, you did. That's an example of impoverished diet. Now, I'm sure you remember when you had kids or you went to camp and everybody filled up in the canteen with, I don't know, sweet tarts and Sprites and cotton candy. And your parents kind of couldn't believe the crap because this was an impoverished diet. And then when you got older, I remember kids had bunny, bunny bread. Bunny bread was this kind of bread that you could roll up in a ball and throw it hit somebody on the other side of the cafeteria. It was great. It was both a sandwich agent, but it also served as a projectile. It was wonderful. Cruise missile and sandwich agent. Fun times. Suffice it to say it had zip, zip nutritional value. I couldn't stand what I got, which was a whole wheat bread, because that had lots of nutritional value. I preferred bunny bread because you could throw it or you could roll it up. It was malleable, like Play-Doh. Suffice it to say, when you get older, you then say, you know what? When I was 19, I became macrobiotic because, you know, you're young. You think I'm going to catch up. And you do. But then you get cognitive sclerosis or sclerosis of the attitude, or at least you see people who do, where they think that what's going to solve them is something called macropsychosis. <laughs> it was told by someone when I was on macrobiotic. She said, have you met anybody who was macropsychotic yet? Which means they're so neurotic about their diet, they miss the fact that they keep going home to their parents who drive them crazy or they drive their parents crazy. So they go into a cauldron of insanity, but they're, they're eating their seaweed. <laughs> Ridiculous. They take their anti-inflammatories and they sit in this cauldron of insanity 
that creates inflammatory mediators that So you, you keep taking those anti-inflammatories because you're generating plenty of them. So I can tell you, and I once again researched it, what are the nutrients? Well, for one thing, I decided that I was, because I just, I'm the queen of the 10-minute lunch. When I was doing my PhD, I would eat a bagel which I shelled out because I wanted to avoid the carbs. The whole thing is carbs, but I digress. I wanted to minimize the carbs, but I could eat my lunch in 10 minutes by shelling out the bagel, putting in cream cheese there, having jelly, because you know nothing succeeds like excess carbs, cramming the whole thing down and finishing it in 10 minutes. And then for breakfast, I'd have one of those hubcaps, those, those uh, cinnamon buns that look like the, uh, a hubcap. You could get it when you went through drive-through at Dunkin' Donuts. The only thing is I went, I went drive-through on a bicycle because I couldn't get a license. I was epileptic. Didn't matter that the seizure disorder was made worse by the seizure and the wheat, but I digress. And the dinner, I had a huge dinner because I went to Boston Chicken. I fed the cats on the side. Suffice it to say, I'm now a Mediterranean diet because I am, of course, Mediterranean. I learned from a macrobiotic diet that don't eat the latest fad. Look in the mirror and go, oh, I'm Japanese <laughs> or I'm Chinese. If you're not Japanese or Chinese, chances are don't import that food into where you are and think that that's going to be healthy for you. You're supposed to eat what is culturally appropriate for you because your genes match it. That's the first thing. I'm Mediterranean, which is why I gained 40 pounds on a macrobiotic diet. Hello? <laughs> That's right. I did. So Mediterranean diet eats a lot of fish. The only problem is the Mediterranean diet that they deliver to you, the fish is 70,000 days old. So I haven't figured that out. If you can send me information about who deliver a, a dinner those dinners to me where the fish is not 3 million years old, that would be great. But if you don't have to cook it to yourself, because that would be helpful because I don't have time because Blue Apron that's made by Martha Stewart, though lovely, you got to sit there with a the panala and, you know, Martha Stewart has all the time in the world to sit there and cook, but I don't. I'm returning calls and doing readings. But a Mediterranean diet is a lot of fish, some chicken, and a lot of stuff. There's fish, there's olive oil. We know about those people in Italy who live forever. And that's because they're a Mediterranean diet and they eat all that stuff. However, again, if you're Japanese and Chinese, don't go running over to the Mediterranean diet. On the other hand, if you're prone to constipation and obesity, it's not helpful to eat late at night. Hello? So people will go, well, why don't you do the intermittent fasting diet? What does that mean? Since the year 2000, I've had bottle instructions. We're not going to talk about it. But I noticed that if I ate everything earlier in the day and my last meal was 4.30 or 5 o'clock, I woke up and my stomach was flatter. And that's because in the hospital, it's called bottle rest or something called NPO, non-oral, nothing oral. 
what you do is you let the bowel rest. Nothing goes in there. So no food is in your bowel. So you can't wait for it. Absorb it. Absorb nutrients. So a intermittent fasting diet is you try to eat all of your food within a certain amount of time. So it's not sitting in your colon ready to absorb. Got it? This is the way it works. Remember, you heard it here first, folks. Let's just say, yeah, I got a glass of wine in the living room. You're sitting there entertaining someone in a cocktail party. And it's red wine. It's a beautiful white rug on the floor. And you're, waning, you're waxing philosophically about the temples of Escapulus in Greece. And some idiot walks in and trips over something and you spill your wine all over the floor. How long will it take the wine to saturate and absorb into the rug? The longer it's there, the longer it will be absorbed into the rug. The nutrients of the wine, the stain of the wine will be absorbed forever, ever. Or maybe you're like me, who tends to use a fountain pen, same thing, and the cats like to play bocce ball with it, with the ink. For whatever reason, they think this is hilarious. As soon as mommy opens up the bottle of ink, they go swat with the foot, and the ink goes all over the floor toward the expensive rug. I don't know if you can call it an Asian rug, Indian rug, Tibetan rug. I don't know what the appropriate cultural name is. All I know is the longer the ink is there, the more it's absorbed. So if I run like a bat chi, and get it out of there, it's like an intermittent fasting diet. It's not absorbed. Therefore, the less, the longer you have, the less time that food is in your colon, which is like a rug for God's sakes, the less it's absorbed to go directly onto your ass, thighs, or abdomen. Do you get it? That is intermittent fasting, but there's more. For whatever reason, I don't know why this is. Wine spilled in an evening on the rug tends to absorb faster than during the daytime. I don't know why. That, I'm just trying to kid you. Food that's eaten at night is absorbed more for a couple of reasons. One, we tend to be more sedentary at night in a recumbent position, meaning lying down. That's just being a big word. And second of all, because cortisol and insulin are highest in the morning, which helps us metabolize and remove nutrients. So it used to be when the milk was delivered in the morning by the milkman, you drink the damn stuff because we didn't have refrigeration. Eat it when it's delivered. Insulin and cortisol are highest in the morning. That's when you should eat the most food. If there's a second peak right before lunch. Is, so you eat a big breakfast, a bigger lunch. I don't care if you're hungry or not. And it goes down, 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 starting at dinner. So that means dinner is a tiny meal. Then you eat something at breakfast that can absorb, suck up fat. What would that be? So it's graphic, but if someone spills something, like card or, or a rug, one of the things they throw on it is pulp or oatmeal. 
if you spilled wine on the rug, you could throw oatmeal or something on it and it would suck it up. Oatmeal eaten in the morning soaks up fats and is known to lower cholesterol. I am terribly allergic to a horrendous degree now to gluten. I do not like it. I do not care for it. I used to have ice cream every night. I advertised it. I put it on social media. I would open up the drawer and I would have two thirds of a cup of Ben and Jerry's until I realized those bastards gluten in the brownie chocolate. Now, it never occurred to me that brownie meant that there were brownies in there because I fooled myself. Anybody can fool themselves. And that the chocolate chip in the middle cookie was really cookies. Oh, a tangled web. We choose to deceive ourselves or however that phrase goes. So I started getting more and more obstructed and almost got hospitalized where I'd have to have an NG tube put down, writhing in pain. I was still eating my nightly ice cream cone. I didn't care until I realized writhing in pain, that was it. I threw out 25 pints of ice cream. Don't want to get into it. Let's just leave it alone. I'm bringing it up in group. So now I've moved on to an evening of a gluten-free cat's donut. That is my little thing at night. Because my biggest meal of the day is a Mediterranean meal. That's from lean and easier, lean and something or other, but it's Mediterranean. I'm getting bored with it because I can't stand their old fish. So it's chicken, 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 chicken. And I can't do lentils, which is on the list. So. What's good for memory? I'll tell you what's good for memory. Anything that's good for a vessel. Or to make blood flow. Fourth center, heart, breast, and lungs. Ginkgo biloba makes platelet blood flow. Hyperbaric oxygen increases cerebral blood flow. Omega-3 fatty acids. Salmon, Mediterranean diet. Blueberries, antioxidants, fish, olive oil, um, and so on and so on. You can do all kinds of these, avocado, bell pepper. You can go down the list, berry, melon, dark leafy vegetables. But once again, if you're living with impoverished people, like this person, who called me, who I'm sure has a page like you do, single space with all the supplements and remedies they're taking, it's still possible to lose your memory, even if you're not genetically susceptible because you'll have an increased risk for depression. And they say that people who have less people in their life have, it, have the health effects of being morbidly obese, which causes you to have small vessels, small strokes, and smoking 13 cigarettes a day. So if you have impoverished people in your life, or the people you're with are angry or stressful, then it doesn't matter what you're eating. Um, so tomatoes, drinking eight to 10 glasses of water a day, 
Then they say three meals a day. So see you delivering it. Regular delivery during the bowel makes things not get stuck and then maximally absorb. Three meals a day, two snacks in between, protein in each meal. But then you get neurotransmitters that make you pay attention and learn, like coffee once or twice a day as dopamine and a cognitive enhancer. It lowers your risk of Parkinson's disease and dementia. Yes, indeedy, Bob. Things like fast forward is a class. You can go on the web and go to GEMM, G-E-M-M. It speeds up processing. If you have small vessel disease that runs in your family, your thoughts will get slower. You're like, now, what was that word? Was it cat food? No. Uh, ketchup? No. Oh, I know. Kankasaur. That's what it was. Kankasaur. No. It speeds up retrieval of words from executive function, frontal lobe, but it also speeds up processing what you see or hear. And it does it by sending sounds or making you respond by pressing a button. It's not uh, luminosity or any of those other things that personally drive me nutty because they reproduce the neuropsych tests that I learned to give people when I was in my PhD. They drive me crazy. On the other hand, you can fill yourself up with antioxidants, which get rid of inflammatory mediators, but if you go home or to a job you hate and stay there because you're gonna collect your benefits 10 years from now, as soon as you retire, within five years, you increase your risk for losing your memory and dementing. So you'll be taking a high interest rate mortgage on your brain so you can retire and dement. I want you to consider that. Suffice it to say, it's interesting that you can bike, cardio box, or ballroom dance. The best anti-dementia activity. I remember going to this integrative medicine conference. The guy was sweet. He still was like a pinhead, but he was sweet. And all these women were sitting in the front row. He said, you know, I don't understand this. And I was sitting there with, I don't know, a running track suit on, playing with some fountain pen sprayed ink all over the table. I don't know, something inappropriate. He's doing something because I, you know, don't take enough Adderall. I only take five milligrams because I don't want to get a cardiomyopathy. But anyway, the guy says, I don't know why this is. I know a lot about what lower the risk for dementia, but the best one is what? What exercise do you think it is? Some people would go, it's walking. Another people would go, it's meditating. And he'd say, nope. One of the exercises would be cardio boxing, not boxing, but cardio boxing. Nope. He says, I don't know what it is, but it's dancing and a certain kind of dancing. And I went, ballroom dancing. He said, how did you know? And I went, because. He said, why ballroom? I, and all the women in the front row laughed. And I went like this. I did a pelvic thrust in the chair, which is hard to do when your spine is fused because it's about sex and sex is limbic and memory is right squarely in the emotional area of the brain. It's emotionally relevant and it's a relationship. The reason why 
they did original studies in dementia. They said that if you had a high idea density, if you did the New York Times best uh, press puzzle, you did all these literary tasks, which were in the left hemisphere. Big whoop. It's one hemisphere. And it's all language. It doesn't matter. People who are language still dement. The way that you get someone to remember something, learn a memory, is it's got to move them. It's got to behaviorally relevant. I mean, in the movie Dirty Dancing, it's dirty. It's not tidy dancing. And when she learns the steps, she learns them and she remembers them. But he, he, you know, he kicks it inside and says, no, you got it wrong. And it drives her crazy. And he takes her and he goes, gagoon, gagoon, gagoon. And he said, you've got to feel the rhythm. Out of the last three weeks, three weeks, I've tried to fix this red phone, the hotline, which is affectionately, I, I painted it red. It's a long story, but I learned how to do it. It's how you fix, you can uh, paint a car by um, putting this plastic wrap on it. I learned how to do it. I also cut my hands quite severely. But suffice it to say, always learn something new. So I tried to get the line to work. It wouldn't. It humiliated me. It was embarrassing. It would ring once and then go right to the answering service. This was upsetting. So finally, I figured it out. I called the service and I said, hey, listen, pal. They said, to confirm your identity, let's, let, let, let us text a message to your phone number. It's a landline. You can't text the landline. After we got that settled, she said, oh, I did it this Monday. We'll get it to you fixed on Tuesday. It wasn't fixed today. So I called her. I said, it rings once and it doesn't ring. And I said, this is upsetting to me because it will be embarrassing when people try to call it again today. It will go, it will ring once and it makes the phone unusable. And she said, well, Manny fixed it and um, it fixed it to ring seven times. I said, no, he didn't. She said, yes, it did. I said, no, he didn't. And she said, I'm sorry. I said, first of all, let's get it clear. I said, do not apologize. Women apologize all too much. I said, this line is recorded, is it not? For better service, that's what they always say. For what? Customer service, this line is being recorded. I said, good. <laughs> I said, I am not a bitch, but I play one on the radio. I said, no, I'm not really. I said, do not apologize. This is not for you to apologize. I said, it's for the people who are supposed to be caring by listening to this recording. I said, first of all, they, you say that they fixed it? to ring seven times? I said, apparently not. Why don't you call it right now? It won't ring seven times. I said, let me put it this way, I'm a physician. When they do heart surgery, they put on a new heart, they do a heart transplant. They don't just discharge the patient. They check to see if it's beating. <laughs> they don't just slap it in, close the patient, send them on home. They listen and hear it go, gugung, gugung, like in Dirty Dancing. They don't just look to see if the steps are there, do the steps in the manual. No, they put their hands on the heart and listen for the gugum, gugum. Like in Dirty Dancing, you've got to feel the rhythm. It's not good enough to learn the New York Times crossword. It's not good enough to do luminosity. Didn't think I'd go around this, did you? 
to keep memory in dementia, it's not good enough to memorize every flipping vegetable or nutrient. For example, my favorite, it's a curcumin of the month club. Everyone is taking curcumin. It's anti-cancer. Let's put it this way, okay? I'm going to tell you something. Let's just say you're bathing in curcumin. You're taking excess, excess, the amount that's suggested, which is 500, I wrote it down somewhere in this ridiculous thing, which shows that I am a complete overachiever. I think it says 502,000 milligrams a day, if I can find it, curcumin. It's important to know that it does cross the blood-bane barrier. It, it's an antioxidant, it's anti-cancer, and it increases serotonin and dopamine. So there's so many different ways that can help with cognition. It's lovely, right? And you're like, hold me back, mama. I'm going to run out and get the damn curcumin. I'm Because I'm concerned about my memory. First, do no harm. If you have had breast cancer, or it runs in your family, it's important to look at all the crap you're taking for your memory so something doesn't fall out on you. Namely, curcumin is processed by the liver enzyme 1A2. And 1A2 helps eliminate estrogen. So if you take too much curcumin, estrogen can go up. And if you're a breast cancer survivor, and you're taking a whole lot of other supplements that go through the liver enzyme 1A2, you are going to have problems because I had a woman in 77 who was on anti-estrogen treatment whose doctors said her estrogen levels were going up and she didn't. They didn't know why. And she gave me a single space of all the supplements and remedies that she was taking for anti-memory problems. And guess what? Many of them went to 1A2, which were making her estrogen levels go up. The only one that wasn't was broccoli, because broccoli helps 1A2 work, which is why we take broccoli, because broccoli is anti-breast cancer. And when she went, she got rid of curcumin and all the other supplements that bound to 1A2 and competed with our body's capacity to get rid of estrogen her estrogen levels went down. Mind you, I sent her the papers on that. And there were lots of people who hated me. I said, you don't hate me. You hate the, the scientists who did these papers. So I'm sending you the papers so you can call them at University of Iowa and all these other places. My point is, don't just get orthopsychosis or orthorexia, which is people who focus purely on supplements and overdo it. Because more is not better. A multiple situation on how to feed memory in the brain is important. Nutrients, people are nutrients, work is a nutrient, spirituality is a nutrient, animals are nutrient, nature is a nutrient. Don't just put a lot of stuff in your mouth. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa. We've been talking about diets whatever that means, mind and memory. I'm opening up to the phones and I'm turning off the phone. That was a long thing, but it had to be said. It had to be said. You know how many things I saw about curcumin? 
I went, how many people are worried? First of all, this is my favorite. You, you get breast cancer. They may or may not give you tamoxifen or some other anti-estrogen, or you may go into menopause, at which time you have trouble with memory. So what do you do? You take curcumin, which is anti-cancer, and helps your memory. There are other things you can do. I read them to you. I only read a few of them. I have a whole page here. I have a book called Heal Your Mind, along with All Is Well. Those are two books, as well as, well as The New Feminine Brain. Does anybody have a question? I'm here. But I do have a donut waiting for me. I want you to know. <laughs> as well as my evening decaf coffee. I do not have caffeinated at night. I have my principles. They are low, but I have them. Does anybody have a question? Gretchen says, how come so many skinny people get dementia? I don't know any heavy people with dementia. That's just not true. Because heavy, there are lots of different types of dementia. There is multi-infarct dementia where a person throws lots of small strokes or they get white matter injury in the area called the periventricular white matter the deep white matter, it's called Binswanger's disease from hypertension. Either way, they get slowed. And those people have cardiovascular disease. And last time I checked, the heavier you are, the more cholesterol, the more hypertension you are, the more likely you are to have dementia. There are multiple forms of dementia and there's some element of Alzheimer's disease that might be vascular. And in fact, let's just put it this way. <clears throat> the early onset dementia, the gene, one of the genes, there are many, is ApoE4. If you don't, you're probably like, where did I hear that name? Where did I meet you before? Did I meet you at the Peninsula Club, the Feynman Bar Mitzvah? You heard ApoE4 when it came to heart disease because inflammatory process of heart disease is related to the inflammatory process of Alzheimer's disease. And let's say one other thing, shall we? We cannot forget about the dementia that's associated with chronic traumatic encephalopathy or what we used to call dementia pugilistica. I once did a reading, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna change some of the details. It was a hell of a reading. Um, before the reading, I walk around my kitchen and I saw this whole ready place in the right side of the person's face. It's unbelievable. So I got on the phone after talking about their life and stuff. I went to their head, their eyes, their ears. I said, something happened to you. It's like you fell or something. You smashed. Something happened in the right side of your face. He said, I don't know about that. I said, can you please tell me your health concerns? He said, I have Parkinson's disease. I went, no. I went, no. He said, but I do. I said, did you fall? He said, yeah, a lot. I said, how? I'm trying to change this. Mountain climbing. He fell off of mountains. Lots. I said, you don't say. Yeah. Broke his face, broke a face bone. That, my dear, happens in boxers. They call it dementia pugilistica, which is a form of brain injury. And a famous one is Muhammad Ali. 
which bothered me because they called it Parkinson's disease. It really isn't. It hits those areas and they develop a tremor, but it's now what we call chronic traumatic encephalopathy. There are forms of Parkinson's disease that have tau bodies, completely different other form of dementia. However, it's an inflammatory basis. If you look at people who've had brain injury or chronic concussions, there's inflammation, but it's due to another kind of inclusion body in the brain. Instead of Alzheimer's disease where there's plaques and tangles, and chronic traumatic encephalopathy or concussions or blows to the head, it's tau bodies. And for those, it's a different, it's not the Mediterranean diet. Isn't that fascinating? It's a low glycemic index, lean protein. So the only reason why I know this is because if you go into lean or any of those meal plans, they got, you know, these different lines you go into. There's the Mediterranean diet line. And then there's a lean protein line. You can go into whatever you want. There's um, the vegan line. You get in line and you can't mix and match. They won't let you. Now, you can't do a vegan meal because you are in the Mediterranean. They don't let you mix and match. The point of the matter is chronic traumatic encephalopathy, they go into a low glycemic index. So if you go with the carbs, you can't like have bananas. You have to have um, complex carbs, low protein. Oh, excuse me, very lean protein. Think about all those football players who had steaks. No more. That made them worse. Think about those guys. Let's get bashed in the head with a helmet, mind you. However, back then the helmets didn't work as well. And then let's go out afterwards and have a steak and a brewski. Good fats, lots of antioxidants, and minimum of sugar. And of course, salmon, chicken, and stuff like that. But it's a different diet than the Mediterranean diet because it's a different inclusion body. Got it? So, but all of them, it's intellectual enrichment because it's doing what's difficult. So if you're an intuitive and you're a right brain centric, you'd rather have a public rectal exam than take a college class in person. I don't care. <laughs> Learn the language. I'm learning English. I'm learning how to read and write. Do you know how many times you probably hear me swearing for wherever you live? Every morning, I get these things wrong in this class. And when I get it wrong, it goes, argh, argh. I hate it, but I'm doing it anyway. At the age of 60, I'm trying to learn how to read at the high school level for speed and comprehension. You tie the arm that works well, the part of you that works well, and you do what's difficult. You will hate it. That's what learning a memory is all about. Next question, yes. Um, uh, <laughs> then you'll have problems with naming, Annalita. Go ahead. Thank you. Um, can you comment on, you mentioned now diet several times uh, on what we are, um, absorbing or not absorbing how about uh, and uh, how we are being affected by the environment people included how about the okay. effect of the thoughts just people okay, hold a second. people intolerance people have food intolerances and we have people intolerances 
So what people do with food intolerances is they do food restriction. They'll remove one food group after another, after another. The thing is, if you notice with allergens, if you remove one allergen after another, after another, your immune system gets weaker and weaker from learning how to process allergens because we have T helper cells that present the antigen that we have problems with and T suppressor cells that turn off of our immune system and learn tolerance. Similarly, our attitude, we need to learn how to see certain, we don't have to take a bath with them. We don't have to sleep with them, but we can learn with mindfulness, DBT, observe, describe, allow, and tolerate. Top, distress tolerance, people who are not like us. People don't like to do that. That's too bad. If you get atrophied in the immune tolerance, you will get immunodeficiency. A perfect example is when we were sequestered during COVID, now we are in um, all kinds of RSD, residio, um, syncytial virus, RSV, viruses everybody's coming down with because everybody was sequestered and their immune systems got atrophied for viral tolerance. Similarly, if you have social phobia or social diversity avoidance, you will become sensitized. That's too bad. Just by a wrinkle of fate, if you're intuitively porous and you can read someone's mind, so they hate you. They probably do. I know people, a lot of people think I'm crazy. I probably do things to provoke them. However, I don't mean it. I said to the lady on the phone, stop apologizing. Women apologize too much. You and I both know it's the problem with the people above you. That's why they're recording this. They won't listen anyway, but that's okay. It's not you. She laughed. And you know what happened? She fixed the phone. She fixed the phone. It would have taken 24 to 48 hours. This phone was fixed in less than an hour. I didn't have to scream. Isn't that remarkable? And it was another lady. A lady calls back. And she tested every five seconds. I, and she called me on my cell. I said, you've been calling my line. She said, yes. This is learning and memory. She said, you know what's wrong with your phone? I went, no, what? She said, you have two different call forwards on it. I learned something. I said, you're kidding, son of a bitch. You can put a call forward physically yourself by doing star 77,864, 7,063B. Or you can call the phone company and do it. My answering service told me to do it. It didn't, for whatever reason, electricity doesn't work with me. And so then I called the phone company and had them do it. So I had two, two call forwarders, forwardings, equal one followed up mess because no, nothing succeeds like excess. That's how Mona Lisa follows up phones. She figured it out when no one else could. She said, I'm going to tell you what to do. She was on the phone with me. She said, do star eight gefilte fish nine nine seven four three two one. I went, okay. And she said, okay, now you disabled it. She said, now watch, hang it up. I'm going to call you. Ring, ring, ring. That was an hour before the show. I went, you're wonderful. I love you. You are my, you are the wind beneath my sails. She laughed. Did you get it? 
that's a wonderful person. She problem solved. She didn't marinate in anger. It always helps. There is one thing and I've got to go. I created my memorial service in the event something happens. I have a very difficult health. I put 16 songs. The next to the last one is called And in the End. It's on the Abbey, the Abbey Road album, The Beatles. This is important when you talk about vessels, fourth center, small vessel disease and memory, and learning and lifelong learning. Why do we want to preserve our memory? Why do we want to stay on the earth forever? To be a good person, to create good deeds, to learn. I mean, that's what Barbara Streisand is saying, yeah, done. The more I learn, the less I know. The more I realize what's wanting more if you can fly and soar. Where all there is, why settle for a piece of sky? Keep learning. Why settle? Don't retire. But suffice it to say, and in the end, the love you make is equal to the love you take. That opens up your vessels. It means give, 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 give. And receive, receive, receive. That lady gave me a great gift. When something doesn't work, we get aggravated. Epinephrine from our adrenal gland and cortisol makes our blood vessels spasm and makes cholesterol. The keys, the cat's peed around here somewhere. Someone's going to get lose a tail. I can smell it, but that's beside the point. <laughs> I know what happened. It's that Conway. Resist. When something doesn't work, see how it just worked? I can smell it. When something doesn't work, resist the impulse to get angry. Resist it. Say, whatever will be, will be. A Doris Day song who lived in the 50s. And then turn quickly to the Beatles, who would have vomited with poor Dyrus Day, who loved animals, and say, and in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. Mm -hmm. For the moment you want to get frustrated, which will curdle your vessels and curdle your heart and will prevent you from having good memory, love will open up your vessels and is a natural anti-inflammatory. And learn. Love, learn, and be brilliant. Thank you for joining me today. You've been wonderful. I will see you next week. I'm Rachel Corpus, an angel communicator, psychic medium, and host of the Angel Talk podcast. This show is meant to help you remember who you are, a limitless being with shoes and socks on. And along the way, we'll connect to people on the other side and experts in the field like authors, healers, animal communicators, and more. Listen to all my shows at Mind Body Spirit FM or wherever you get your podcasts.